Thank you, Wendy. Amen. Hello there. It's good to see you all. Hello, hello. Thank you, Wendy. We are uh, well into the Christmas season. We are exactly two weeks away from Christmas Day. I don't know whether I'm excited or terrified at the thought of that. I've barely done any shopping. I've not written one Christmas card, but hey-ho. Um, we are going to continue in our identity uh, series today, and we have the joy of looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus, as we explore our next identity strand of significance in him. So to focus us in a little, I wanted to read to you the lyrics of the Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? Now, I thought about playing it to you, but it was quite long. The ones I found were quite long. And I thought I could sing it to you, but then I chickened out. <laughs> um, so, uh, but I, so I'm just going to read them to you to kind of focus us in on the story. So Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? That this child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, you've kissed the face of God. Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy was heaven's perfect lamb and the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? Oh, Mary, did you know? And as I've listened to that song this week, I wondered... Did Mary know how significant her role was in God's plan? Did she know how significant she was? And we're going to read um, about Mary's part of Mary's story in the birth of Jesus. And we're going to read from Luke 1, 26 to 38. Uh, Ollie was encouraging us to bring paper Bibles last week so we can underline and write notes. And so uh, bring out your paper Bibles <laughs> or your tablets or your phones, and we're going to read together. Okay, so Luke 1 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. So what do we know about Mary? Well, in many ways, she was poor and insignificant. We know she lived in the small village of Nazareth, which by our standards was little more than a wee hamlet. We know that she was a virgin, betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter, which tells us about their poor, humble financial state. And we know that she was somewhere between the ages of 12 and 16, as traditionally in first century Jewish culture, that was when betrothal happened. And even though we don't exactly know how old Mary was, there are some suggestions and some consensus that she was about 15 or 16 years old when she gave birth to Jesus. So possibly 14 or 15 years old when Gabriel visited her. But what we also know, and as we read on in the Gospel of Luke, is that Mary was rich and significant in many ways. We know she was humble, and we see her humility shining in verse 38 of what we've just read. I am the Lord's servant. We know her faith was profound, as Elizabeth, her cousin, in 1 Luke 45 says... Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. We know that Mary believed her God was sovereign. In Luke 1, 51 and 52, in Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat, uh, she says, He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. She believed God was sovereign. And we know that her meditations were full of truth. Mary treasured all these things in her heart, pondering on them. Luke 2, 19. Mary was young, poor, and female. All the characteristics to the people of her day that would make her unusable. However, we see a Mary that through the generations has been an example of a simple, ordinary person touched by divine power and divine presence. 
So let's take a look at a few verses more closely. And I wanted to remind us of where Mary's significance came from. So I want to just reread verse, uh, verses 28 and verse 30. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. Now the word favour is often translated grace in the New Testament. And when someone finds favour or grace with God, it is undeserved. Mary is not overflowing with grace and favour of and in herself. Rather, she uh, is undeservedly favoured by God. It's like Gabriel is saying to her, Mary, God is graciously giving you a privilege far beyond your deserving. And I don't know about you, but I actually find that quite comforting. As I've prepared this week, Mary's significance in the, story of, uh, in the story of Jesus and in the Father's plan for the world has felt a little bit kind of off the charts, a little bit unreachable for mere humans. But that's exactly what she was. She was a mere human teenager who loved God deeply and who was willing to say yes to him and yes to being used by him. She is significant because of his favor, his grace upon her and towards her, not because of anything she has done or is. And as we continue to look at significance through Mary's story in these verses, I'd like us to consider verse 35. But in doing so, let's just remind ourselves of the verses up to that point. So from verse 31 onwards, we see the angel has announced to Mary that she will conceive and give birth to a son, and she's to name him Jesus. That he will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High that the Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David and that he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will have no end. And then in verse 34, Mary asks, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And Gabriel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Now Tom Wright says this about that verse. The Holy Spirit will come upon Mary, enabling her, as the Spirit always does, to do and be more than she could by herself. And I'm just going to pause us there for a moment. The Holy Spirit will come upon Mary to enable her, as the Spirit always does, to do and be more than she could by herself. Does that sound familiar? 
Is there something that resonates within your own spirit there? That's the same Holy Spirit that we have, that we know and love, who comes upon us, who fills us and enables us to be and to do more than we could by ourselves. And I'm reminded of times in my own life when that's been the case. When in my early 20s, I was so paralyzed by a lack of confidence, I would not dare offer my thoughts in any setting, never mind to a group of people. It's only by his grace and his favor, by his filling and his enabling that I'm able to do and be more than I could have ever dreamed. And I'm reminded in, in my last job as uh, the youth worker, I'm reminded of young people, sometimes the most unlikely, quiet, awkward, shy, struggling young people standing up at our youth service in vision and giving the word, giving the talk. By his grace and his favor, by his empowering and his enabling. And I'm reminded of being on a youth mission trip in Kenya to the Just Earth Farmers Field Project. And one of our young people praying for a woman who was completely blind in one eye. She, uh, this young person took her courage uh, and stepped out in faith and just entrusted Jesus to turn up. And she prayed for sight for the woman whose sight was restored. By his grace and favor, by his filling, by his empowering and enabling, being more than she could ever have dreamed of or imagined by herself. What are you reminded of when we read the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary, enabling her as the Spirit always does? When are the times in your life or the lives of those around you when you can see the same Holy Spirit has come upon you, has filled you, and has enabled you to be more than you ever thought possible? And as with Mary, our significance is found by being in him. The overflow of which that is all grace and favor, is that we can live a life of significance, a life that we never thought possible. And my challenge, my encouragement, my rally cry this morning is for us to call out again for the grace and favor of God, to cry out again for the more, to be filled again with the enabling and empowering Holy Spirit. And we're going to give opportunity for that uh, at the end during our ministry time. And so if we come back to our Tom Wright quote, Tom Wright continues with the second half of the verse, which reads, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Wright says, this is something different. God himself, the creator, will surround her completely with his sovereign power. 
Mary, this teenage girl, overshadowed by the Most High God, being completely surrounded by his sovereign power. Mary is an example of what consistently happens when Father God is at work by grace through human beings, through us. God's sovereign power surrounding us, enabling and empowering of the Holy Spirit within us. Together, sovereign power surrounding us, enabling, empowering of the Spirit together results in things being done and we ourselves being more than we could ever dream or imagine. Now, we've already said that Mary's significance didn't come from anything that she did or said of herself. Her significance is all grace and favor. Her significance is as a beloved daughter. However, I do just want to acknowledge the gravity of verse 38. Her response, Mary's response to Gabriel's announcement In all its glory and magnitude, Mary, a 15 or 16-year-old girl, responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. I mean, come on. Wow. Wow. Alistair Begg writes, Mary embraced the will of God without regard to what it was going to cost her personally. Despite the prospect of of being thought an adulteress, despite bearing an illegitimate child, which is what Jesus would have been viewed as, she surrendered her reputation to God's will. She would have known even then it would have come at great cost for her to uh, carry and give birth to, to bring up, to nurture, to love the Son of God, the Messiah. But did she know, and this comes back to our song at the beginning, but did she know that she would watch him die? I actually can't can't imagine that. Uh, Did she know she was going to... She was going to watch him die to save her people, to rescue the world, to bring us into relationship with the Father. Her trust and faith in Father God, her willingness to allow him to use her for this role, for this purpose, is staggering. It's staggering. And so I wonder what about us? What can we learn from Mary about our own identity as significant in him? We know Mary was young, poor, uneducated, from an obscure village. Nothing about her was significant in the world's eyes. 
Mary shows us that title, position, finances, relationships, status, age, gender, academic success cannot make us significant. Only faith in him, only the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, only being the beloved in him can give us the significance that we desire, that we crave for. The Freedom in Christ course that we have run many times here in Mungo's encourages us to speak out truth declarations about our identity. There are three core declarations that the Freedom in Christ course use. I am accepted, I am secure, I am significant. And as I was reading through the list of Bible verses that support the I am significant declaration, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 stood out to me. And it says this, I am part of God's family and I have a role to play. And I wanted to remind us this morning that like Mary, who didn't fit any of the significant standards of the day, that we are no longer worthless, inadequate, helpless or hopeless, that because we are in him, we are significant. We have a role to play and a purpose in God's family. Do you realize that when you're not here, or when you're not at house group, or when you're not in prayer cell, or when you're not connecting with your Christian brothers and sisters, the dynamic in the room, the dynamic in the space is changed. It's lessened. It's poorer because you're not there. Our presence has an impact on the church family, on relationships. We bring to the family that, things that no one else can. You bring to the family things that no one else can. Significance. Ephesians 4.16 says this, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts to grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And Paul, so Paul's telling us in these verses, we have a role and a purpose in the body, in the church family. He has a, uh, Father God has a role for us and that role helps other family members to grow and to flourish and to experience love. Our presence helps the family to be healthy, to be what it should be. Your significance is such that your part in the family your part in the family of God helps and encourages others to grow and to flourish.
We are not worthless or inadequate or unusable. Because our enemy would like, like us to believe that. He would whisper that in our ears. But we are not worthless, inadequate or unusable because Jesus... Because Jesus died for us, because he makes us righteous. We're clothed in his righteousness. He makes us worthy. He gives us purpose. He makes us significant. And as we've briefly reflected on Mary this morning, we recognize that there is nothing that qualifies us for significance outside of Jesus. There's nothing that qualifies us for significance outside of Jesus. But in him, but in Jesus, we are graced and favored we are filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We are brought into his family. We have a role and a purpose. And we find, we find our significance. <laughs>